Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams, we're back here at Madison Perk Coffee Bar <laughs> in South End, right down South Boulevard. I don't know if it's South End, let's call it Loso. This is Loso. <laughs> this is what I would call Loso. We're down at Tybola range, so yeah. But the reason why we're back here is because if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Exactly. Right. And <laughs> you know, we, we talked here before uh, a massive match, before some would argue the biggest match in club history. And I've been saying this a lot lately, Danny. You know, it's only... It's the, the biggest match in club history until the next game. Exactly. Right exactly. So. Yeah, the next one is now bigger. I think we've definitely said that on the show before. This is this is kind of the equivalent of like uh, wearing the lucky socks. Like, hey, we just <laughs> we won a big match. I'm I'm just wearing the same socks. Yes. This, you know, yes. we're back at Madison Park. Had yep. to. Hey, I, you know, superstition. You can you can say it's a real thing or it's not. I think in athletics, I think superstition is 100 percent real. Yeah, I think it is. Well, mindset is 100% real, and yes. so confidence is a, is a big deal. We were just talking about players losing confidence here before <laughs> we started recording, and uh, uh, superstition can feed confidence and mindset, so yes, it is real. 100%. So let's we're, let's talk about the win. We've got TIFO's questions coming up from mm -hmm. uh, a, a bunch of a great questions from uh, a lot of good friends of the show. Right. And we are, we are we're wired up, baby. Yeah, we we're, we're ready to fire that fire back at you with the, the, uh, the strong brews here at the Perk. Love a cold brew, uh, especially on a, a nice fall morning with a little bit of crisp in the air. I know. When, do you, I'm about to make the switch from ice to hot. I'm um, I'm just about to make that that daily because I have a coffee every morning, so I'm a, I'm a coffee guy. So yeah, I might switch to hot. I am a iced coffee man when I go out and pick up coffee. Mm -hmm. and I'm a hot coffee man at home. What a great that's a great split. It, you know, you get the best, that's how you do it. Best of both worlds. Absolutely best of both worlds. And I, I kinda wanna uh I wanna talk about this win to start in a way that maybe will surprise you. Yeah, well I, I can't wait to be surprised because four days later I'm still soaking it all in. That like this was it can't be understated how massive of a win this was. Yeah, yeah and you could feel it. We were at the Crown Legacy match on Sunday afternoon and despite the Crown Legacy loss in uh, against Columbus Crew two in that playoff match, nobody really cared that much because of the result on Saturday night and the feeling that uh, the season was a success. It's a development program, and uh, that development program is going to continue into the future. And right, and, and it worked this year. There was there was players on that that, that <laughs> legacy team who who made an impact for Charlotte FC during the during the season. Yeah, uh, a very huge impact. Well, I. One of the coolest things about Sunday was that I was able to just like uh, see uh, uh, Brandon Cambridge face to face and say, "Hey, Brandon, what, you know that we wouldn't be here without you, man, because we would not be in this position without his two goals that saved the three points against Chicago uh, midseason." Yeah, and he May. was me he was mentioned on the the Apple broadcast yeah. uh, because they were talking about how uh, Charlotte FC earlier this year got got two late goals from Brandon right. Cambridge <laughs> right. uh, in a comeback win against Chicago at home. Right. I mean, our playoff hopes are on. They were they went from life support to like all of a sudden alive and kicking here with this most recent win against Chicago, but they would never have even made it to life support without the first win against Chicago. Thank courtesy of Brandon Cambridge. So let's just set the stage quickly of uh, about where the table is. Uh, you know, I, I think most people know, but if you win the next two matches against Miami, you're hosting the eighth place game Amazing. at the Keep. So things have changed drastically in that regard. The ninth place game uh, was was a was was the hope and now all of a sudden eighth place becomes a possibility if you win that mm -hmm. 
win these next two games against a, a messy list Miami most likely I mean, right. we, we can get into that conversation as well uh, but all of a sudden it, it feels real when you talk about winning four in a row it's really difficult but I know this sounds like coach speak but one game at a time really changes things mm-hmm. you get that win against a, a shitty team like Toronto and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's three in a row yeah. And then you, you pull an upset on the road against Chicago, and it's only two games now yeah. in a row. I, I don't even consider it winning four games in a row because the two wins are already in the past. Right. And, you know, you win the next one. That's called a winning streak. It has happened before, you know. It uh, has. It has. And uh, I think um, it's just crazy. Like, I, I have to admit, I, I had give, like, I'm so vibed and, and jazzed on this win against Chicago in Chicago. A because the way in which we did it, we were dominant right. start like start to finish. It was just a very the system uh, came together. B I I'll admit I had given up after the New England loss. I pretty much gave up. That's that was my point of like okay, yeah we have five games left, but at this point, but who cares? Or four games left after this, but but like I don't think we can win any of them the way this team is playing. They they found something against Toronto, and like you said at the beginning of this episode, confidence feeds it all, and and. Yes, Toronto's a bad team, and yes, maybe you know we didn't want to make too much. And yes, Chicago's not that great of a team, but Chicago was in pretty good form and coming off of a huge win themselves. And so, the confidence of beating a bad team allows you to beat a little bit better team. And then you get three or four wins in a row, find yourself in a playoff game. Maybe you can win a playoff game. You know, so like it all feeds. Uh, there I go losing the, str- the thread of the, the one game at a time. Though, <laughs> well, so, you know, yeah. we, we uh, Danny, we we talked about on uh, on the last show. We talked about how mentally. Saturday night's game might be a little difficult for Chicago. Yeah, right. And, that, that was a letdown spot for them. And, yeah. and, and that's exactly what happened. Right. There was no buzz in that building compared to what it looked like on Wednesday night. Right. The players, just a few days later, felt like they had to get up and go do it again mm-hmm. after a historic result. And meanwhile, Charlotte FC is coming to town feeling great about themselves. Mm-hmm. And what, what, what ends up happening, and this is where I want to start the conversation about this game, what ends up happening is Charlotte FC keeps a clean sheet for the second straight match. Yeah. And you, we can talk about Swiderski's goal streak. We, we can talk about the offense playing well. We can talk about five goals in two matches. But, about but what, about, what about zero goals in two matches? It's so clutch. That, that's how you win soccer matches. Right. And that's been our issue in the entire season. Right. Giving up goals at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. We've scored goals this mm-hmm. season. There's no doubt about it. We, mm-hmm. you know, it, there, there was, there was a, a time during the inaugural season where we were literally counting minutes up until like the 200s <laughs> where we hadn't scored a goals. Yeah. Scoring goals hasn't been an issue for the squad this year. No. Giving up goals has. Right. And at the, at most, the wrong time. Exactly. Like said, yeah. And at the most important time of the season, Christian Kalina steps up and this defense steps up and provides two clean sheets. Burn, baby, burn, man. The yes. Nathan, you're in Nathan's inferno at this point. Like <laughs> what? What? Uh, what we've realized is like we have a, a, a an identity in defense now, yes, which is do. which is we play the high line, we get the extra man and try to control the ball in midfield, and and when we lose it, we count on Nathan Burn running back there and tackling <laughs> somebody before they get a clean shot off against Kalina. It's worked pretty well for the last couple of games, so I, I don't mind. Um, and, and you need that. You know, like, Burn is a guy who we were critical of. We wondered what his role was on this team and, and, like, why did we sign this guy and what can he give us? Well, we found what he can give us. It took some time. I think I famously said on the show, like, 
uh, Nathan Byrne and Harrison Offal. Like I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't need to see. Yeah, yeah. I was it was right on one, wrong on the other. Right. Exactly. Harrison Offal proved to us in that game against Inter Miami and Leeds Cup that his legs are just not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And Nathan's Nathan Byrne, his legs are there. Oh yeah. Right? He he can move. Burn, he, he, baby, baby burn. Nathan's Inferno. Burn, I, I, you were baby, si- burn. you were singing that to him on Sunday <laughs> yeah. at the Crown Legacy match, and he had a smile on his face um, as wide as the goal mouth. <laughs> I mean, it was it was absolutely uh, I got, awesome to see him. I got to sing that. I got to sing the Derek Jones. It's got it going on to Derek. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll sing these guys' songs to their faces. I don't care. Everybody looked like they were having a great time. Shout out to the first team for showing up there. And and you know who else I got to see? Who? The captain, uh, of course. And uh, I said, I said, captain. I don't want to interrupt you. You're with your family. He's on his way out after the match. I said, "Just, just, oh, I gotta, I gotta give you a, a, another handshake for that, for that Golazzo <laughs> man. That he picked it out of the air. That clean yeah. fizzing volley. Like of all the things to come out of Chicago, we almost buried the lead yet again. Of like, what a goal from the captain. And like when we needed it most, like we were dominating that game, but we weren't. It was another game where the end product wasn't necessarily showing up. And the Carroll Capetti communication issues were flaring to the bubbling to the surface again. And Ashley West with the captain, like, this is like, I knew, I knew at one point there was just going to be a spot where Westwood did something fucking amazing to win a match for us, and they finally hit. You know, you mentioned the the Enzo Capetti, Carol Swiderski communication, and I think a lot has been made of this, and the question of whether they can coexist, I'm willing to say that the answer is yes, because they've played together the last two matches, and, and Charlotte has won both matches. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, like, really, when you think about the, a results-based business, like, yes, they can coexist because they're getting results. But there was there was one moment that I, I feel like I wanted to call out, and it was when Swiderski stepped up to take the PK. Mm-hmm. Uh, Capetti was nowhere to be found on the 18-yard box. He was about 30 yards away from the spot, and... When Carroll slotted that ball home, Capetti had both hands in the in the air, and he was he was he was happy. But let me ask you a question: What if the goalkeeper would have saved that? What if there was a rebound opportunity, mm-hmm. and Capetti was thirty yards away, not giving a fuck, not making an effort to slot that rebound back in? How many times do we see it? You know, the quick score re- right off a rebound off a PK save for sure. Uh, that's just confidence. You know, he just knew Carroll wasn't going to miss. He knew he knew there was no chance Carroll would yeah. miss. I guess. I I, and, I, and I think that's um, that's a good, a good point you bring up. Though. You know, yeah. I, I just think that's Enzo Capetti in a nutshell. I think he's he's living in his own world. He's doing his own thing, right. and he's not doing everything right all the time. He's going to be where he wants to be on the pitch. Right. He's not thinking, "Whoa, what's next? Where should I be here? What is the right thing to do?" He all he thinks about is where I want to be and what right. I want to do. He's not horrible. He's not perfect. He's he's right. somewhere in that zone. I think, you know. The, 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 the sort of prevailing narrative that's sort of emerging as I talk to Charlotte FC fans all over the town is like, we know Carroll's on the way out. Let's just see what happens this year, but then let's let Carroll go, make some money, and let's build around Copetti for next season and, and let this become Enzo's team fully next year. And to be honest, I'm fine with that. I, let's do it. You know, if, the, if that's the way it wor- ends up working out, it's great. I mean, Carroll's given us a good two years. We're still in the playoff chase. We're still talking about that. But it's yeah. just like, as we, that, but even in this great game, even in this great win and this great victory that like put everything back on track for us and like kind of made us the Undertaker gif of like popping up out of the coffin. Like, um, there was still that underlying issue. And I, I said something like I think on on, on uh, at for the Crown Baby uh, Twitter I posted like. The Carol Copetti drama continues to be the best side story 
to the Charlotte FC playoff change, which is the best main story in MLS right now. And it's just like, uh, it's kind of funny. Like, uh, we'll never really get away with it. Maybe that's my bias, because maybe no one outside of Charlotte cares about either of those stories, but you know what I'm saying. Well, let me, like, I promise you this. Yeah. No one outside of Charlotte gives a fuck about Charlotte <laughs> FC. I promise you that. Yeah, Andrew Weeby reminds <laughs> us of that all the time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, can these two players coexist? And my answer is a resounding yes. I don't think so. Well, he, and here's why I say that, is because I don't give a fuck whether they coexist next year or not. <laughs> You're thinking short term. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm just like, can they coexist on Wednesday the 18th? Mm-hmm. And my answer to that question is yes. If Carol's back in country by then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and for what it's worth, I do expect him to be. Okay. I do. If Carl Sabresti misses out on that match in Miami, I'll be very disappointed. All right. So, but here's what, whether or not they can coexist, I think it's not going to matter because they're not going to need to next it, year. One way, yeah, they've, only, they've only got, yeah. uh, they've only got ceiling, I think, seven or eight more games max that they're going to have to, you know, it's, if it's we a, go on a, a run. Here's what it is, Danny. It's a short-term fling. Everybody around both Carol Swiderski and Enzo Capetti, each of them have their own camps. It's a short-term fling based on hate sex? Exactly. And what they're they're saying is, is like, you know, like you know, we we kind of get it. You you guys are you guys are attracted to each other. Right. You, yeah. you, 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 you hate like, each other, but you're the two hottest people here. You have to bang. <laughs> yes, hundred percent. And. But, you know, the, 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 the people that they really trust are both telling them, like, you know, this isn't going to last. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. so, you know, just be prepared because it's it's going to uh, eventually come crashing down. But maybe, maybe in the short term, it can work just because, you know, they, they call it the honeymoon phase of any relationship. Right. And, yeah, these, these players have been part of the organization together. They've been... In the at the facility together, but they haven't spent a lot of time on the pitch together. And when they can get on the pitch together, and they can they can make it happen, and, and they have, and they both do have the same, I think, goal for the remainder of the season, which is to play minutes. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing, right? It's it's right. they're not stealing minutes from each other, and I think that would be a major major issue if Carol Swiderski was starting at the striker and Enzo Capetti was still sitting on the bench. Right. It'd be worse than it would be with both of them. Right. That's the well, they, they tried that right out of the League's Cup when Enzo came back from the injury. Right. They yes. tried to do, have Enzo sub in for Carol. That was wasted yeah. wasted minutes for sure. Yeah. Um, so the the whole drama is basically based around the PK, right? And it's like Enzo Enzo played a really strong game for the most part. He played really well. He created a lot of chances for others. He tried to take some chances himself. He drew the PK. Yeah. Uh, just he got he got under the Chicago guy's skin. The PK was a total frustration. Like in in fact, Enzo kind of like bull charged into the guy, and then fell down. And the guy was like mad at Enzo for bull charging into him. And then Enzo got back up and and ran past him after the fall down. And the, the guy was mad and tripped him. So so it's like what a stupid like, foul. Yeah, it was really bad. I thought that should have been a red. I, I know they don't do double jeopardy, but it's like man, that was really cynical. I wouldn't have minded a red on that one and the PK. But um, the the thing was. Everyone's like, oh, Enzo deserves... Enzo earned it. Enzo should take the PK. He's earned it. Carroll took two in a row last game. Why doesn't he give one up? And I get that. I, I understand that. And I think there's... Just, I get the argument. I'm not going to argue necessarily against that point of view if you strongly feel that opinion. But I'll say this. Carroll's the PK taker on the team. Carroll's the designated PK taker by the captain, by the coach. And it's like, why change that up when you're only up 1-0 against Chicago, when you're only up 1-0 against Toronto? Like, you need that two-goal lead. And... Carroll's been given the responsibility to do it. He takes that responsibility. He takes it very seriously. And I know Enzo wants goals. It, it, like I almost think the debate of 
Carol versus Enzo for PKs is getting lost in the minutiae of individual stats when we all need to be team-oriented. And it's like, hey, we have procedures on the team. We have protocols. When there's a penalty, Carol Swiderski grabs the ball and puts it under his arm and slots it in the corner. Like, that's just the way it goes. And it doesn't really matter what individual stats anybody might be chasing. And, and I... I Sometimes I'll, I, I'll be, be critical of myself for ma- making too many Tottenham references on the show. But, like... Have at it. You know, yeah. it's like... The game's about glory. When when Spurs earn a PK, there's and for the last 10 years, there's been one fucking guy who takes it. Yeah. And because he makes them. It was Harry Kane. That's what he right. did. Right. He was the best PK taker on the team. No matter who earned the PK, Harry Kane took the right. ball, put on the spot, and converted. Right. And that that is a... And what I'm trying to say and is, I'm like, sure Son would love to have ten or fifteen more goals on his ledger over the years, but it just doesn't happen. Yes, yeah. it doesn't because that role on a squad exists. Right. And Enzo, sorry, that's not your position. Right. Maybe next year. Maybe next. But, but, but Carol has this. Um, yeah. And one of the things I wanted to put out is it uh, I, I the woman that was doing uh, um. Play, uh, the analysis on Apple analysis Kendra on Apple. Kendra, Kendra Saint Saint Ke- yeah, yes, yeah, she, thank you. Ca- she's Canadian man she was she was hating us dude she, yeah. she's, she's way too Canadian well, I, I'm, not, I'm not being critical <laughs> I actually wanted to call, I actually wanted to give her props she was her. loving on Chicago and hating on Charlotte I, I, she was way too close to the border for me well <laughs> I, I want to give her props for um, there was a free kick uh, in the in the first half where both players it was just outside the 18. And Copetti was setting up to hit a right-footed swinger into the top right corner, and Carroll was setting up to hit a left-footed mm-hmm. swinger into the left top corner. And Kendra was just like, what are these guys going to do? Are they going to both strike it simultaneously at the same time? <laughs> like, yeah, because Enzo didn't move. Enzo didn't leave. He even made like a two steps of a fake run towards it, too. And, yeah. and I want to give her props for that comment because it showed that she was doing she, her No, homework. she did a great game. I didn't mean to talk yeah. about it. She, she and was, I love Canada. Hopefully I have some Canadian TIFOs out there for sure. She, she was doing her homework. I sang Oh Canada at the Toronto match under my breath. You know, so. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think we can, we can ultimately... And for what it's worth, Enzo and Carol both not at the match on uh, Crown Legacy match. Yeah, yeah, they don't, they don't. I've never seen either of them at any extracurriculars. Yeah, like yeah, but most of the most of the team did, did show. There's a uh, lot of guys. Our third deep there. There was another. There was a DP there though. Yeah, Camille, Camille was there. Camille Yon, was absolutely there. And Yon, Camille was there, like basically, like playing uh, Uncle of the Year to Jan Sapachinski's baby. It was pretty really cute to see. And it was just like it, it, like. The vibe on Sunday was amazing, after, especially after a big win like that. But I, we got to talk, dude. Okay, we we talked about the controversy, but I brought this up earlier. I need to hear from you. About what? About the gemstone. About Westwood's Golazzo, man. Like, what did it yeah. mean to you like, to see like this captain that like we... Because not everyone has embraced Ashley Westwood from the time he joined this club, but I feel like you and I have always embraced yeah. him because we knew the Premier League pedigree he brought. And he's had other great moments in the season, but I just felt like Saturday night was like a defining... like. No one else on our team could have done what he did. Not well, even Carol. I'm, I'm going to do a faux pas, and I'm going to say something on a podcast that you never should should say because it might insult some people in your audience. But I but I mean this dead seriously, and I feel this way. And if this uh, hurts somebody's feelings, then too bad. But like, I have been very confident, and from the beginning of this entire uh, project, the Charlotte FC MLS project, that there's just a lot of Supporters that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> like seriously, and when I when I hear some of the criticism and I 
you know, see what some people say. I it it makes me think that maybe Charlotte FC is the first time they've ever really uh, went all in on learning players, watching mm-hmm. every match, and understanding how a season unfolds and what value you can bring to the pitch. And this is a Brant Bronico discussion too, right? Mm-hmm. Is that newer soccer fans? Hey, welcome to the party. But there's certain intangibles on a soccer pitch that are fundamentally real. And those intangibles are leadership, those Mm -hmm. intangibles are experience, and those intangibles are fitness. And lastly, is the ability to put a touch on the ball that is very classy. Mm -hmm. And what that goal was, was just pure class. Mm -hmm. And there's only certain people that can pull something off like that. Mm-hmm. And Ashley Westwood has always been able to pull off a goal like that. Mm-hmm. And to crit- be, be critical of him and act like he's somebody that is boring. He's not shooting ball That enough. doesn't do anything <laughs> on the pitch. It's because you're not watching the right things. Mm-hmm. It's because all you're thinking about is scoring goals in soccer. And I get mm-hmm. it. That's the fun part of the game. But sometimes these games are 1-1. And sometimes these games are nil-nil. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and, and Ashley Westwood is making a huge impact on this squad in the midfield position. And by the way, so is Brant Bronico. You know why Christian Latanzio doesn't take him out of the lineup? Because Brant Bronico has possibly, and this is a ma- massive statement, he might be one of the, he, he might be a top five fit player in MLS. Right, in terms of work rate and, you know, like, Grindset is more than just a hashtag. It's like literally it's this real. guy's way of it, life. It's like how he survives right. in this league. It's how we, he survives in this pro- profession. Right. If, if you if there was a, a a FIFA rating for fitness, Brent Bronico would be ninety nine. Right. He leaves the the training pitch every day and and drives up to Lake Norman and builds and like <laughs> flips houses. You know, he's like doing re de- demo and remodeling work. You know, like, he, he never stops working. Yeah. This guy doesn't go home and play video yeah. games. You know what I'm saying? And, like, and, and this is another part of this, too. And, and again, I, you know... I, I, well, I want to say something about Bronico, just to follow yeah. up on what you said. Which is, I've had this I've had this debate with people online, in person before, and I had it recently with someone uh, who I don't know their name. They were an anonymous... Uh, we were in a Charlotte FC fan Discord, so just some username. So I don't know this person's real name. But they, we're, they were saying, well... Hard work is the is the default. Every player that's here is a hard worker. What the the differentiation between players at this point is just where in skill level. No, and it, and it's and, it, and it's like it's like Bronico. Every like, don't why are you patting Bronico on the back for working hard? Like everybody works hard or they wouldn't be here. Like he's just not talented enough to be on the pitch on a professional soccer team. We need eleven talented guys out there. And I just this guy was making this case to me, and I just kept thinking to myself. You could not be farther off. Yeah, it's the exact opposite. Your talent level is the default that gets you here. You have to have a certain talent level to get here, and then it's your hard work and your work rate that differentiates you. He had the exact flipped, and I was like just laughing to myself as yeah. I was talking to this guy. Yeah, and Bronico's elite at the hard work. And you know, one thing that um, you know, and I hope I haven't gone down this road too far, but I, but I but I feel like sometimes I want to, you know, give the supporters kind of a dose of reality. And what it is is like uh, the level of of play is is very important here when, when discussing players. For example, in MLS, the, the type of characteristics and player that it takes to have success is going to be much different than the type of player that it takes to have success in Liga Mekki and the type of player that it has, you know, to have success in the J League. You know, it's like 
there's just there's there's in the Scottish Premier League. You know, there's just there's there's different leagues all over the world that are very similar to MLS, but the playing styles are very different. And in MLS, experience, work rate, and the ability to have strength is paramount. And for what it's worth, that's why Enzo Capetti's kind of a badass and why I don't mind the fact that he's playing right now. And you know, after the after the Toronto match, it was the first time ever as a as a uh, a new phrase I want to use for myself on the show, and I want to call you this too, uh, a fanalist. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. You know, as a fanalist for yeah. this for this club, um, it was the first time where I realized that, like, Enzo Capetti's going up to Chicago, and he's just gonna fucking knock people right. all over the pitch. It's pretty much what he did. And right now, that's exactly what I want. Just the, mm-hmm. the, what I've always been concerned about is his ability to pick up yellows, his ability to possibly get a red, uh, silly yellow, mm-hmm. two silly yellows and a red. So that's that's the one thing I'm concerned about. Remember what I used to call T.T. Ortiz a walking red card? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Enzo yeah. Capetti's like a bit of a walking red but, card. But, it, but he's a running red card. That's the difference. <laughs> Enzo never stops running. And even as, yeah. as, as upset as Enzo can be about whatever, you know, Perceived slights yeah. are going on in his yeah. head, or, or you know, main character issues are, are happening for him. He never stops working hard, and he he's constantly like he. I've seen him many times where he'll just be like, the ball will like go to the keeper, and it's like a thirty-yard sprint just to just to like put nominal fake pressure on the keeper. And Enzo, he kind of just like. Here we go again. He just like ah, just rolls his neck, his our head across his neck, and he starts chugging the keyboard. He's like, "This is pointless, but I'm gonna do, do it, it because yeah. it's like yes. that. Maybe it gives me that two percent chance of just like threatening the keeper and throwing him off his game." And he so Enzo puts in the work, and you cannot ever fault that. I think that's why the people, the Enzo. I think that's one of the reasons Enzo's army loves him, and that's one of the reasons that even people who don't really like him have to at least appreciate and respect him. And to, to wrap this conversation full circle, I, I vehemently believe that Charlotte FC would not be in this position without Ashley Westwood. Yeah. You know, I think he, we called him the gemstone to start the season, we, the, the centerpiece of, of this starting 11, the person that is, is in the center of the pitch that is uh, you know, making things happen. The, uh, he's, he's the person that is um, at the orchestra. Well, who's the guy that holds the the holds the, wand? the conductor? The, the conductor. conductor. <laughs> the maestro. He's yeah, the maestro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly right. That's 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 who he is for this mm-hmm. squad, and and it was really nice to see. And just to, I think, further explain why this Kopetti Swiderski partnership is so important is because the only reason why Westwood has all that space is because Kopetti and Swiderski are taking up space yeah. right on the penalty spot, yeah. right on the right on the six, and they're requiring so much defensive attention with the two of them being in right. the in the box it allows a midfielder just to sneak up right in behind take the space and score a goal that's exactly i yep. think how tactically this squad's supposed to work uh, that's how we score uh, like what happened on saturday in chicago was we're, we get a, an attack built up a nice attack we build pressure we've got guys all in place we send a shot in doesn't result in a shot, but it pops way up in the air. The rebound just floats majestically yeah. down, and Westwood can just sit. And t- he's in all this space, like you described, and he can just sit and watch that thing fall and just swing his foot through at the perfect instant and just fizz that thing low. P- 
pure knuckle. That was like a, a rise ball in softball. Like, you know, a softball oh, pitcher yeah. that throws a rise ball. It was like, zoom, and then yeah. like zipped up right at the end. So Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a really special goal. And then, you know, of course, in the second half, Swearski gets it done from the, from the PK spot. And here we are, a uh, chance to play Miami. I want to call it a tie. I love yeah that's a Miami very uh, European you know, thing it's like this is what yeah. it is we, we're, we're tied to Miami yeah we're playing them back to back it's not back to back weeks I think the, the Wednesday Saturday is kind it's of crazy. crazy it's like a, yeah it's like a double dip it's almost like a um, it, uh, this is how Liga MX does their playoffs is they, they do uh, home and away like within a couple of days and they do like three rounds in a row they do that so it's kind of crazy um, I think you know, we spent all this time talking about Carol Capetti, and it's real. And the short-term fling does, you know, there, there's chance for a climax. But uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that Carol will be there for this next match, for the first Miami match. We, we I don't think he will be available because I think he's going to log major minutes. It's not even so much him being in town. He can get here logistically. I just think he will have logged. I think he's going to play 150 out of 180 possible minutes for Poland on this international break and, and be just not really ready to go. So I think what he... But I what I do think, as much as I love Carroll, he's my favorite player on the team, I think he's pressing a little bit too hard. I know, like, I'm fine with him taking the PKs and insisting on holding the PKs, that's fine. There are times I've spotted he's a little bit slow to a pass. He's trying to dribble through double teams a little bit more than looking for the guy in some possession cases. So I just think he like he's like... like and I don't question his motives, but I just think he's like pressing a little too hard. So I think it'd be interesting to see what this team can do in a game where Copetti's the main offensive focus and Carroll's not there. I think, and oh, by the way, I have zero issue because it, to my mind, you just slot Scotty Arfield in the starting lineup in that Carroll spot, in that number eight spot, and you're, you're golden. Oh, you know what? And I have zero issues with that for a game. And then Carroll comes back for the finale at home all as well then Miami's not used to him then he's like a fresh element for the second matchup against Miami so it's all playing well against us so long as we don't have to deal with Messi uh, you just reminded me that the one other point I wanted to make about the match which and I think you made a really good point there and about Scotty Arfield is that um, let's go back to warm-ups against Toronto mm-hmm. uh, you know I was keeping an eye on Scotty Arfield I was kind of disappointed that he wasn't in the, the starting 11 that match and he and Justin Miram pregame were attached at the hip knocking balls back and forth, enjoying each other's company, really developing a connection. And they both came in that match as a a dual substitute that they could play together. And it happened again against Chicago, that Arfield and Miram came in together in that match. This is what, I'm just calling this out so, so people know now, this is what the substitution pattern will look like for the remainder of the season. Mm-hmm. Scott Arfield and Justin Miram are the substitutes for this Charlotte FC squad. And they will come in and play together, and that connection is very, very important. Yeah. And that warm-up was so funny because they both stayed. They were like the last two guys to go in at the end of the warm-up, too, uh, for the final before the walkout. And they were like launching half-field shots. Yeah. And, and some uh, some clubby was having to shag so, balls so for him. It was pretty I, funny. I've been nervous because, you know, when you're a veteran veteran player like Justin Mir, when you're a veteran player like Scotty Arfield and you know that you have the ability to be on this squad, I think Christian Latanzio is actually doing a really nice job in man management with these two. There's clearly been a discussion that's been had where Latanzio said, hey, guys, you're not starting for me. Like, you're just not. But I, I, I love you both as players. And you're going to be my guys off the bench. Yeah. And I'm going to get you that 20 minutes at the end of every match. 
and who knows, maybe I might bring you in sooner. Yeah. And if I and if you don't get twenty, you might get ten. But you're coming in, and both of you guys are going to make a huge impact here. And I think that type of communication and that type of transparency—that's what players want and need. Yeah, I hope that's happening. And it seems like to me those two guys are are, are pretty satisfied with that role. I, I don't know exactly. Like I imagine it playing out like you describe. Who knows the exact details? But I've never questioned Christian Latanzio's ability to man manage off the field. I've always said that's clearly one of his strengths. His players all love him. I just don't like his match day uh, pretty much and that's why I still would be ready to move on from him I, I, I think some TIFOs probably still are <laughs> you know they're asking us you know hey is this is this a long term hurt us if we don't uh, if, if we have a fake run here at the end I don't know but uh, I, I do think what you say about our is right I do think our starts for if Carroll was to miss would you would you, you slot Scotty in to that starting eight I mean, yes, yes, for sure, uh, absolutely. He he he's going to sit in that next pocket. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna, and, and I think Vargas comes off. Brecht is on playing the left wing. Right. Um, you're going to have uh, Capetti up top, and then you have Camille down the right hand side, yeah. and then Arfield sitting in behind. 100. Yeah. percent yeah, yeah, that's that's how would you, how you would do it. And oh, by the way, shout out to Kerwin Vargas for putting in a great shift. Played played his ass off. Stepping up. Uh, congratulations. Created a ton of chances. Breck Diagre, uh, congratulations. Uh, missed the game uh, for a personal reason. It was the birth of his second child. I mean, you're missing games for the birth of your second child. I mean, come on, Breck. It's not like this is your first child, bro. Come on, dude. Oh, man. All right. We, it's time. We, we, we put out the call for Tifo's questions. I uh, hope you all uh, have enjoyed the, so, the show so far. Give us a, a follow on Instagram, at Charlotte Soccer. City, make sure you follow us there and you can ask us questions there. Or you can ask us questions on X at for the crown baby. There's a question here I want to start with uh, from Rob Barnes. Hit me, Rob. He, he says, Hey, what's the move next Wednesday for the final watch party of the season? He asks, EPR or BOA? Are they going to do it like a. Yeah, the club is hosting a watch party at the stadium. I think that's the move. I think it's got to be the move. Uh, I love my EPR parties. I, I won't make a final decision, but I'm leaning BOA right now. Okay, the reason why I asked, asked that question is I didn't hear about the watch party gotcha. at the stadium. Yeah, 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 so, yeah it's happening. Are, are they going to let people down on the pitch, like bring a blanket? I don't or? know. I think, if I was to guess, I think it would be maybe just in the tap room, like they have the autograph of, uh, oh, signing event thing. It would just be in the concourse. But Okay. Well, those which would be are cool. Nice. That would be cool. If they set up some bar stools that people could sit down. Yeah, the problem is, is if, yeah. if you need to sit, you won't be able yeah. to sit in that situation. It, it, but I could be wrong about that. Maybe they'll... Maybe they'll play the game on the Jumbotron and have everybody sit in the stands. I hope. That'd well, be cool, too. Well, when we get back uh, on this show... Maybe they announced it and I haven't looked it up because yeah, I'm well, a lazy-ass motherfucker. Well, I mean, <laughs> Rob Barnes is the one who told me about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, cheers to you, Rob. And, uh, Fanalist. We'll, we'll let you know the answer to that question. Um, not sure. Uh, it's BOA for me, almost certainly. Okay. Len Kornakia, uh, Lenny Boy, tweets in, uh, before the last two wins, there was a lot of chatter about fans canceling slash selling PSLs. Well, season tickets. Uh, what will the state of our fan base be next year? Good question. Broke because they all renewed their their PSLs <laughs> after uh, after the Toronto and Chicago wins. Now I don't know. Um, hopefully, good. I, I if you, my whole thing is if you don't want to renew your tickets, don't. But like, I don't need to hear about it. I, like uh, announcing that you're. I have I have decided to renounce my tickets. You know, it's like it's like oh, it's like the people that announce I'm I'm leaving Facebook. Yeah. I, I've, I've here's a Facebook post to tell you I'm leaving Facebook. It's just like whatever. I mean, make your own personal decision, but I, I don't need to hear about all the reasons that you don't want to spend money on the club anymore. Yeah, it's like I when, do. it's like it's yeah. like when the Boston Red Sox put Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter 
on the uh, Green Monster, and a bunch of Red Sox fans tweet, I'm never going to yeah. a game ever again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, exactly. yeah, you are, you yeah. fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's just, it's it's absurd, the kind of, I, I'm not going to renew my right. my tickets, I'm not going to go to a match ever again, I'm never watching this team on TV again. Right. No, you're just being emotional, and mm-hmm. keep that to yourself, because you know it's not true. I am the type of person, you know this about me, John, I actually do take many principled boycott stands against <laughs> a lot of uh, entities, and I don't necessarily talk about it, I just don't have anything to do with those things that I don't like. Daniel Torres tweets in. He says, is Melo ever coming back? No, I don't think so. I think Patrick Ajwong ate Vinnie Melo. (laughs) We're never going to hear from him. I I feel like like this offseason, we're going to have a conversation and it's going to be with somebody and they're going to tell us. Just so you know, we got a we got a eight, <laughs> we got an ace in the deck here. Got somebody that nobody knows about, uh, Vinny Mello. Because because is there is there going to be another uh, expansion draft this year with uh, with San Diego? I don't know if it's this year or next year. My fault for not knowing that. I think it's next year, but okay. um, I do think Mello is probably future not with us, but still a talented young prospect. He had that one beautiful beautiful ball. He helped us win a game yeah, as well yeah, with a pre assist. He yeah. a very nice uh, ball into the box there for sure. And by the way, I, I meant to say this uh, when when Len asked about the tickets. Um, personal news for me: I'm officially out of 342 into 130. Wow! So I've made, made, I've made a switch. switch. I've made a switch myself, and I appreciate that's fine. Yeah, and I appreciate the club uh, working with me and allowing allowing me to do that with my tickets. I thought that was the right move to make. And it actually saved me some money. That's See, I what. like you talking about that. That yeah. that we do talk about. You know, smart <laughs> smart financial moves we talk about. Uh, Bitching we don't. Brandon Davis uh, chimes in. He says, "Were we all wrong? Is Latanzio's style and tactics actually working?" Uh, I don't know if we were all wrong. I still I still don't think Latanzio is the right guy to be the match day manager of this club. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and focus on that when we're on a win streak and, and trying to be all focused on push towards the playoffs. I'll temper my criticism and just say that the system can work, and when you play an inferior opponent, it looks good. I don't necessarily know that we're going to go in to beat Philly Union, FC Cincinnati, LAFC with uh, with this system. I think we could be more pragmatic in those type of matchups when we're overmatched, but the commitment to the system is real. I will answer the question by saying no, we were not wrong. It's just nice when your best players play well. Mm-hmm. And that typically uh, makes the manager look pretty good. Yeah. Uh, next question by Life of Geslin. Matt Geslin chimes in. He says, is it two-parter? And he asks, does a playoff run keep Latanzio into next season? And is that the best option long-term? Kind of, yeah. Uh, again, I, no. Every, I just see... See last answer I, I, yeah. on that one. Um, again, I I feel bad calling for. I'm not going to sit here and make a campaign for someone's job, but I just think that I, I would love CL to be like our sort of player development director. He's excellent at it. I'd, I'd prefer someone else for the matches. If you like European football, check out Full Time Roundup. Uh, solid show by Matt Geslin and. And Danny Brackets. International break. No better time to check in with the full-time rounder boys. I love that call. And to answer this question, yes, of course a playoff run keeps Latanzio into next season. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that yes. does answer the question. Is And is that the best option long-term? I, I think that you could make the argument if Carol Sodorski leaves and Enzo Capetti is our outright number nine striker, that's Christian Latanzio's guy. He brought him into the sure. club. Why not go right. into a season just Why with not? those two? Yeah. I don't think it's a disaster. I don't think it's like, oh, we got to get rid of this guy or we're screwed. It's just... 
he's just not the best to me. But, you know, there was a record amount of managers fired this season in MLS. And he kept his cheek. So and one of them is not What, what guy, does long-term yeah. even mean? I don't right. know. Long-term even yeah. means starting next season. And if you lose your first five games, right. could, could be right. adios amigo. There's eight guys that have MLS managing experience on the market. Real Matt Barbie tweets in, has Latanzio finally figured out that Yuzviak has to start? Mm, I don't think Yuzviak has to start, so no. Um, I think Camille plays really well. I know the, the stand. I know I know where that question's coming from, Matt Barbie, and I know, you know, everyone loves the Polish Bulldog. He played really well. He was better. He played really well against Chicago. I don't know, maybe it's a Polish thing. Who knows? But uh, uh, Callahan Auto Parts, I... Didn't think he played that well against Toronto, mm-hmm. so he, he's hit or miss for me. Still, he's he's had he had highs and lows. I'll make a um, a military reference here. I love it. And what I'll say is that when you go into a conflict and you are fighting for survival, you're going to go in with your heaviest artillery. Yeah, that's great. Great way to put it. Yeah, and. With Christian Latanzio realizing that his job is literally on the line here mm-hmm. in this last month of the season, I think that he's made a fantastic decision to say, "Fuck it, DPS, go play." Right. I'm, I'm not gonna. I, I'm, I'm not gonna be cute here and lose my job without right. just saying our best players go. With all the salary on the bench, yeah, yes. it's a great call. Yeah, just go. And uh, I'll, I'll just continue that analogy by saying, Camille. I'd love to have him in a foxhole anytime. I mean, he's a fighter. So, he is. yeah, I love 100%. it. 100%. Uh, we mentioned DB's uh, hot takes, Danny Brackets. He says, Does Latanzio man mark Busquets all game to disco- discombobulate Miami's team? And will that be BB13? If so, this is a good question. I don't really want to get into tactics versus Miami now because we're going to have episodes later this week or early I, next week about this. But quickly, your take on that? I hope Busquets doesn't even play. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Michael Volak, uh, always always great to hear from from Michael. With the end of the regular season closing in, who do you feel is the club's MVP, most improved player from last season, and a player that didn't quite live up to expectations wow. from the beginning of the year? This is a long question, and again, this is a great question for a post-season yeah. episode. So let's just uh, let's just pick one of the three. My MVP is Melanda. Adilson Milanda, the Frenchman, the 21-year-old Frenchman who... I know, think, yeah, I'd have to think more on it, but just like gut level, ask me the MVP, Milanda pops in my head. You could you could make an argument, and this is this is going to sound silly, but it's he's not the MVP. And, and most valuable player is, is sometimes to me, especially like a league's most valuable player, I always think it's more of like a popularity contest than anything else. Mm-hmm. But... Where would this back line be without Andrew Privet? Right. Like, who who would be playing that position? Jan? Jan Sobokop? or, yeah, maybe Tuoloma. I know Sobokop has his stands. So we have, but so Privet's but def- he was, Sobokop was hurt at times. He was banging. He was. And remember, Privet was forced into that role due to a mid-game injury. He never, yes. he never, he, his first get, appearance as a center back was as a sub in as a center back. He didn't, and then he did so well that he earned the start the next match. But it it's not the MVP, but I'm just trying to make I get a point what you're there. Yeah. yeah, like you know, you could you could make a. Right. I think you could pick three or four different guys for this. Uh, and I, I we just picked two center backs on a team that allowed the most goals in the league. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Well, 
let's be real, it wasn't their fault. In yeah. the first half. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. Privet's fault. In no, fact, when yeah. Privet came in, the defense got a lot <laughs> right. better. Great point. That's the point. Great, great point, yeah. Addy was hurt, banged up early as well. Thanks for all your questions. If we didn't get to your question, uh, we apologize. We'll make sure to get to it next time on the show. And we're definitely going to be coming back uh, before the Miami match next Wednesday. Expect uh, an episode, a full preview of that match. We'll go. We'll, we'll get a deep dive. Maybe we can get a special guest on the show. Uh, you and I can do an episode, and then we can get a special guest on the show to talk about Miami as well. Yeah, maybe we'll talk to the battered herons guys. I, yeah, I guessed it on their on their uh, live stream uh, ahead of the fir- the league's cup match, and it was really fun. Yeah, Had a really really fun. Those guys were really fun. So maybe we'll get one of them. I think it's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. yeah, it's a great idea. We'll do something like that. And um, for now, it's been a great episode. Uh, make sure you follow the show on Instagram at Charlotte Soccer City. Follow at For the Crown Baby on Twitter. Follow Danny Brams at Danny Brams. And I would just say, ride the enjoy this week. Ride the vibes this week yes. because, like, we don't play again for another seven ish days. days. Eight, eight days. days as of this recording. Eight days as of this recording. Yeah, depending on when you listen. Um, we just won the biggest match in club history. Like, enjoy it. Like, the 24 hour rule for the players, but not for the, the fans, the supporters. We get to revel in the fact that no matter what anybody says for the rest of this week, we're winners. And hold your head a little bit higher than you normally would, even. even and, uh, Try not to think about the Panthers. The who? <laughs> the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams. It's been an absolute pleasure hanging out with everybody this season on this show. And, and realistically, and I was thinking about it this week, especially with some teams in MLS, their season already being over, a lot of them only having one match left on decision day. Charlotte FC only having one home match re- remaining, fan appreciation night. I mean, this ride is, is, is almost over. Uh, we're, we're near the end of the line for the 2023 season. So take it day by day. Try to enjoy it. And don't forget to pay as you pay. Pay as you pay. John Hayes, Danny Brams, and as always, for the crown, baby.